Hey, welcome everyone. Good afternoon. We are here, the OG crew, Blaine Bartlett, BlaineBartlett.com, and myself, David Meltzer. It is office hours, and Blaine, tomorrow is season four of the TV version uh, premiere on Apple TV of office hours, and we are super excited to have not only you, but Cynthia, and of course, each episode uh, of office hours, we have the unstoppable entrepreneur award uh for the amazing entrepreneurs which include but not limited to the people like ed milet joe dispenza sad guru wim hoff tillman fertita the list goes on and on uh people that you don't and some you do suspect to be great entrepreneurs but speaking of great entrepreneurs we will handle the load today and julia's waiting in the wings Julia Valentine is here, COO and CTO of Alpha Mill. And uh, welcome, Julia, to Office Hours. Hi, how are you, David? Fantastic. It's good to be home, back in the closet. And it's good to have my OG partner, Blaine Bartlett, with me. So you get the A-team back in the A-house. So welcome again to Office Hours. Amazing. Glad to be here. Well, you know, there's so many different, uh, I just got back from collision, uh, implications and impacts of technology, I would say. Uh, and it's extremely competitive, uh, but it's also extremely fast. And it's incredible how we miss opportunities or we hit opportunities uh, because we have people like you around to advise us. Um, and to help us with the strategy operations aligning with the technology and the speed in which uh, it moves. Uh, you are one of the experts at this, and you fit in the role because you're an operator and a techno technology executive at the C-suite. Um, what are some of those challenges to have all three of those um, today because of the speed in which technology moves? That is such a great question because um, it probably has the most complexity um, at a modern company. And it's really not about the challenges of tech. It's about the challenges of having people who make decisions about technology but who throughout their career never managed tech, right? So we have CEOs, I see you nodding because you, you must have seen this in action oh, where, yeah. where CEOs come from all sorts of backgrounds. It, they could be, you know, absolutely amazing finance people or marketing or salespeople, very few outside of, you know, purely um, pure tech companies have that technology um, instinct and intuition. And that instinct and intuition, it comes from having done a ton of work. And <laughs> you know what I mean? That's where it comes from. So how do you do that? And, you know, anytime we look at companies that did not innovate, right? The blockbuster versus Netflix. It's like, why is it that so much innovation comes from outside of, of the companies that it's not capable of innovating from the inside? And you know what? It, it gets worse and worse because tech speeds up 
the speed with which we need to really get that speeds up. And when we get into metaverse and Web3 and blockchain and all of these newer things, it's like if you are not jumping in on that, um, you know, you're going to be left behind, but there's so much choice. So I'll stop. I'll stop for a little bit. I'm just going to hit on some of the issues that that I'm sure you're familiar with, right? From yeah, as you're describing that, Julia, it, it strikes me what you're talking about is fundamentally, and this is the, you know why innovation is so difficult inside an organization. Mm -hmm. uh, it has to do with the nature of um, relationship, and here's what I mean by that. And I just want to check my thinking out with you on this. Um, the problem with change isn't the change itself. The problem with change is the disruption to relationships that the change causes. Yeah. And yes. if people are you know, so wedded to an existing technology, Blockbuster being a great example of this, you know, that relational dynamic, if I let go of that relationship, what have I got? And yeah. it's, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. the brain is yeah. wired for safety. <clears throat> And, and I think that there's also an element of like, I'm going to leave my friends behind, right? I'm mm -hmm. going to leave people who have been with me my entire career and they helped me get here and I trust them. And here are these other people and I don't trust them one bit, and then, you know, and then I'm, I'm going to have to get rid of these, you know. So, yeah, it's... Um, you know, look, every tech issue is not, about, I mean, okay, 99% of technology issues are about people, not about yeah. tech. <laughs> yeah. It's Interesting how that people, works. You know, and, and one of the reasons that, um, you know, I was thinking of what do I do? Do I do, um, you know, after my undergraduate and I was a JP Morgan, you know, I worked, I, I was very lucky to get into tech during Y2K. I'm going to date myself, but I don't care, uh, you know, and, and the Y2K, anybody could just walk in and, you know, and, and you're a developer, you know. So I was like, you know, after my undergraduate, do I do an MBA and get into business or do I do a master's in, in computer science and, you know, continue in tech? And the reason I went into business was because I made a list of, of tech that was developed over one year. And then next to it, I put down how much of it was actually used. And uh -huh. I mean, it, it, was, it was sad because so much technology is being built, but it's never going to get used for various reasons. And a lot of them are people related, you know, wrong things built for the wrong reasons by wrong team. It's all about people. It's decisions that people make. And I think the two critical business issues today, especially coming off a of web summit or collision uh, the last few hours, is number one, cybersecurity, mm -hmm. uh, which is really, to me, uh, a person problem. You know, and I, and I used in one of the speeches I gave, I gave a speech about security and I said, you know, a hammer uh, is used to build houses, mm -hmm. but given to the wrong person, it can be used to knock down a house as well. Uh, and, you know, it's easier to deal with a hammer than it is to deal with the ever-changing platforms and networks. And there's so many things that we don't know. And as you mentioned, there's very few technology people. I was around in Y2K. I started in technology in 92 in DOS and, uh, you know, great 9,600-bound modems uh, in XT computers. But, you know, more importantly, you know, today you don't have seasoned vets that say, hey, I don't know what I don't know. So 
we look at technology and we say, how can this hammer be used to knock down a house? And a lot of times the younger developers are only thinking, how can we build a house? And they're not thinking where, where and what am I missing? And it could be something very simple that changes the, you know, functionality and operations and strategies of a company because some developer didn't think about uh, securing something properly. How can we keep up with that critical business issue? Uh, because it could just hold and knock out a multi-million dollar company. Well, you know, it's here we, we run into another people issue. And here's the, peop- here's the issue that you run into. And I was in that seat where to test whether or not my defenses are good enough, I cannot do it myself because we're blind. You know, if you, it's the maker checker paradox, right? Like I cannot check my own work. If I do it, one of you has to check it and vice versa. But the same reason writers cannot be the same, you know, their own editors. So you have to invite someone from outside. Chances are through penetration testing and, you know, a variety of um, coastal governance assessments, et cetera, they'll come in and they will find stuff. So think about this from an executive perspective where you are inviting people who are going to point out everywhere that you failed because you're responsible for your own teams and they're going to deliver that feedback to your bosses and your board. You know, that's like, wow, why not do that? So, <laughs> you know, and I had to do that. And like, I, you know, I was waiting for the PowerPoints and I was like, oh, my God. And, you know, and they deliver like here 58, you know, they also have to justify their existence. So, of course, it's like a laundry list of, you know, what you're doing wrong. Um, so, yes, it's hard because we need to be you know, we need to have that mindset of um, you're never going to be perfect with tech. You cannot. It's impossible, right? And for that reason, I think tech people, technologists are very open-minded compared to other people because anything that we'll learn six months later is outdated and you always are in a situation where you probably don't know a lot of stuff and you know that and everybody around you knows that. (laughs) You know, technology is so closely linked to the uh, to the field of science, just generally science. And mm-hmm. science, you know, when there's a theory, yeah, uh, the the whole idea then is to find ways to prove it wrong instead of to prove it right. Uh, that's the way you actually validate uh, a theory yeah. is you yeah. know, well, let's poke holes in it. Yeah. Where, yeah, and you're and you're talking about this from the you know standpoint of we've got you know, um, you know bulletproof technology. It, it's not going to be bulletproof. I mean, never, never, because because um, the moment you're done, there's someone out there trying to poke holes in what you've done, mm-hmm. right? And and then on top of that, you have users who come with really. Um, amazing ways or like misusing what you've created and like pushing, you know? so, yeah. so yeah, but you know how it is, right? It's like, this is why microwaves come with these instructions, right? Like don't, you know, yeah, don't put your head inside the oven and turn exactly. it on. But, but that happens with tech all day long, right? Like people input wrong information. They, I mean, 
there are all sorts of things that can happen. And so I think that also from the CEO's perspective, um, the experience, the the mindset of we're going to experiment with this and a lot of these experiments are just not going to work yeah right i mean yeah. that's the mindset that um is it's difficult to convey that to the board it's it's you know you have to sell that and people yeah. who are successful at delivering that message these are the people who are gonna do great and Julia, one of the advantages of aging yourself and aging Blaine and aging I is that we have seen a lot of different things. And one of the challenges as an advisor, as a consultant, as a mentor and a coach is choosing, you know, there's so many options and opportunities. I'm just going to list out some of your expertise to give an idea to the community of how do you choose? It's a little different question than probably anyone's asked you. How do you choose what project to take? Because I know it's an issue for me. It went from finding projects when I was young to I better choose the right one because I got a hundred different things I could do here. And it's because of this. Listen to the Blaine, these broad areas of, of practice. So first, just technology and operations assessment alone. Right. So there's probably, you know, a thousand companies that want Julia's help. Then you have technology architecture. Then you have system selection and implementation. Then you have vendor outsourcing. Then you have building hybrid technology teams. Mm -hmm. Then you have cloud strategy, cybersecurity, digital transformation, change management, data management, data science. Of course, we forgot the biggest ML and AI, RPA, blockchain, process optimization, and of course, finally, governance. There's <coughs> a trillion dollars worth of advisory work <laughs> that exists. <laughs> There might be a trillion dollars of advisory work, and there's maybe a hundred people on earth that can cover those. Yes, of course, there are experts in each of these fields, right? Um, I think that uh, the more senior you get, the more your role is in just making sure that they're, they're doing the right thing and then leaving them to their devices to actually do it. Yeah. yeah. And, and do you have any favorites to prioritize? Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, application development, building MVPs for startups. Yeah. And yeah. Um, because we, we bring the understanding of how to do this from the business perspective. We link business and tech extremely well. And technology for family offices, building out the tech and bringing family offices into the 21st century and bring, walking them, taking them by the hand, walking them into the digital world. Well, after meeting after meeting you, I know what technology I'm working on. It's cloning, and I'm going to make a fortune. Uh, so, Julia Valentine, thank you so much. I'll work on the cloning. I'll give you a call when I get it done. CEO and CTO of Alpha Mill, uh, bringing great value uh, to companies in a much-needed space. Please come back and join us again. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank, thank you, Julia. You, Blessings. <laughs> All right, we're back on track, Blaine. It's been a few weeks, but it feels like a few years. And uh, Jeff's waiting in the wings as well. And Jeff S. Lemon is here, executive coach, team builder, and most importantly aligned with you and I, he is uh, the Zen practitioner. Welcome to Office Hours, Jeff. Absolutely, David. So happy to be with you. Well, we're happy to have you. Once again, my cloning services will be available because 
He has over 30 years of experience and uh, ranging, it's, it's almost as broad of a range of our experience, Blaine, but combat in Iraq to the corporate boardroom. Uh, that's almost as good as uh, selling legal research to the world's notable sports agency, to Samsung's CEO, to being a dancing bear on TikTok. Uh, very few people have done all of those, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> we 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 have uh, very similar desires. Um, critical business issues include building and scaling, resulting uh, in driving teams, engagement, availability, leadership. Uh, there's so many different areas when you've been doing what you've been doing. Uh, I'll start the same place I ended with Julia you know, with so many different areas that you can help people with that have a strong ROI, how are you choosing and prioritizing who to help and how to help? Yeah, I, it really depends. When the clients come to me, it's a, I, I start with a bespoke style. I really just like to get to know them and find out what's going on in their life. And then oftentimes it is something related to business or oftentimes, you know, the, what's related to business is related to personal. And if you start peeling back the onion, you'll, you'll eventually get to the, uh, to the core. And I think that the thing for me, David, that is probably the most fun to do is creating what I call harmony in life. And so I'm a little bit famous or maybe infamous for goofing on work-life balance because I started with saying it was the wrong, I, it was, it, it was the, it was, uh, well, basically, I think it's the wrong measurement, right? Like, are you supposed to put everything from, you know, your life uh, from work in one bowl and everything in your life from another, if it was the old apothecary scale and life just doesn't work like that. And that's what I found out myself of being a busy executive and a, and a father and a husband and a grandfather and all these other roles that I've had in my life. And Unfortunately, I figured most of these things out and, and I've read your book and I've <laughs> I've been a good student and I know you you've done a little of the same where you you've crashed the system and had to reboot. And and I've done a fair bit of that in, in my lifetime. And now I bring those experiences to bear with my clients. So creating lives of harmony where you can be successful. Right. I, I call it where where success and harmony coexist. And that's mm -hmm. that's kind of my holy grail. Nice. Yeah, it's yeah. I love you know the focus on success here. It's such a uh, uh, what's the word I'd use here? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll just you know kind of it's a placeholder uh, for a lot of different things. Okay, the word success. Uh, I'm, I'm struck by you know, Earl Nightingale's definition of it: uh, the the continual pursuit of a worthy ideal. Correct. And <clears throat> when you when you begin to think of success in those terms harmony almost automatically will accompany that because of the nature of a worthy ideal. And so the question I've got for you has to do with when you're working with your clients, uh, oftentimes in, in my experience, the clients that I work with, um, they've got a goal or an objective out there that they want to have. They, you know, and, they're, and they're pretty adamant about it. And it's missing a for the sake of what that's connected to a worthy ideal. How do you work with them to actually create that link so right. that harmony can actually begin to emerge in the process? Right. And for me, Blaine, it starts with that, that North Star. What, what are you trying to achieve in your life? And a tool that I used in business for many, many years that was super successful was a one-page strategic plan where you mm -hmm. could boil the entire 
company core values, core competencies, as you were just alluding to purpose and mission, you tie that into who your core customer is, you tie that back to your yearly goals, you tie that back to your quarterly goals, and then you've essentially set up the mission. So the biggest thing that I would tell you in one word is clarity. That's what I help my clients get is clarity around what that North Star is for them. And, you know, as we all know, that can't just be a business focus if you're not taking the whole person and the whole lifestyle into into account then you're probably going to be missing on one key element and for a lot of my clients it ends up being personal health or mm-hmm. some relationship that they have in their life that's suffering and 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 i love to use the analogy of plate spinning right and i've <laughs> i've been as good at that as anybody that i've ever seen in my career i can get a lot of stuff done But sometimes I look back across my life and I could see where I was a little caught up in the plate spinning and not so much, right? Sometimes that is the pursuit of multiple goals. But when you can get clarity on how the whole piece works together, then all of a sudden you're deciding which plates are the most important. Mm -hmm. And as that seems to be step number one of your three-step process which i love i'm known for threes i get teased for everything comes in threes and the more that i come up with threes the more i get teased but step two to me has and resonates the most um and i think it does take a little bit more seasoning in your life to you know get to a place where you can have a one-page plan and get that clarity but it's step two that really gives it the inspiration Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was hoping you could fill us in on step two and how it actually complements the clarity once you know kind of what you want, who you can help and who can help you. Right. And what you're alluding to in step two, David, is the what I call either my Zen for success formula or my day of Zen, because I take a, an entire day once a month and mine's going to happen tomorrow. Right. It's oh, the nice. last, the okay. last the last Friday of the we'll month. We'll screw you up just at the end of today. So you really need tomorrow. <laughs> Giddy up. I'm, I'm up for it. And no. so my, my tagline for the day is in is checking out so you can check in. Right. And so what are you checking out on? Everything. Mm-hmm. When I take my day of Zen, I'm checking out on my kids. know they're not going to get a hold of me. My wife, the business. I don't, you know, I have a cell phone with me, but it's not within arm shot. I don't stay at home. I don't go to my office. I go, I go to places that inspire me. I like to go to someplace bigger than me because it makes me think bigger, right? Like the outside or I live here in the Southwest. So I love to go to like Sedona and the Grand Canyon, places like that that make me think bigger, right? And so just, you know, here's what I love to say, like just as soon as you have your best laid plan, right? You work with Jeff, you created one page plan, you're out there crushing life. What, what does life throw at you? Right. It throws one of two things. It either throws left hooks. Right. Which are things like my son is all of a sudden, you know, struggling in math and I need to find a way to come alongside him. Or I have parents who are aging and now all of a sudden they're going to need like a different level of care in their future. And, And that life brings us that all of the time. And if we don't have a way and here's what I see with my clients and here's what I see with a lot of the world is. They don't have a mechanism in place to check out where you can give that what I call white space, like your own personal white space to get your mind around how life is going. And what I do in that day of Zen, David, the entire first half of the day, when tomorrow, 
will be June. How did it go? This is what I said that I was going to do. Did I do it? And if not, why? And I'm talking everything from my body fat percentage to what's in my Roth IRA to my goals. All of that gets checked off every day. And then the second half of the day is July. Let's build a plan to crush it. And then the, the other thing that the day is then gives you that if this is all the proactive part, it gives you the reactive opportunity, right? So when you have that type of situation, let's say it's the, the child that's all, uh, all of a sudden struggling in a, in a subject, then you can take some white space and figure out how you're going to counter that. And if we don't have this time in our life, what I found is, you know, most people try to create it. They want to create it, but between you know roles in life, it's it's awful hard if you don't have what I call an intentional process. For sure, mm-hmm. Jeff. I, I think of the quote when you were explaining that you know <laughs> you want to make God laugh, come up with a well-developed plan. Yeah, <laughs> I, I so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Show me. That's your why plan. you need a date. That's why Show you need your a date, man. That's beautiful. Uh, Blaine, want to bring us home with a question? Yeah, um, your your third step here uh, is you know, basically seize the day. And I'd, I'd be interested in your thoughts around, you know, the, you know, my signature line on my emails is carpe vietem, seize your life. Mm. And, you know, rather than carpe diem, right. um, where does, I mean, I'm assuming that in the work that you're doing, seize the day. And this kind of goes back to success and harmony. How are you working with your clients in your planning with them to make sure that that day that they're seizing is actually informing and contributing to the gestalt of their life? Right. It's it's fundamental, Blaine, and I'll tell you why. So carpe diem is seize the day, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is what I say where you take what's on that one-page plan, right? You're a North Star, and you do what I call operationalize it, right? What we do every day matters. And so just like you said, if you want to add that gestalt piece, so tell me how, you know, when I work with CEOs and they're struggling, tell me how you're eating, tell me how you're moving, tell me how you're sleeping, right? Like Mm -hmm. anybody in this audience right now, go have a bad night of sleep tonight and then tell me how you're going to do tomorrow, right? So if you're not focusing on the fundamentals to start with, and then you don't have a mechanism to, again, operationalize what's on your plan, And if you don't want to be in constant plate spinning mode, you need to have a daily idea. Like I ask myself questions every morning, like who do I want to be today? What do I need to be to be able to accomplish my missions? And when you start your mornings like that, and then when you end them with gratitude and meditation and the fundamental things in life, it, it, it's not, it's still not easy. And you guys know this being super successful. It's still not easy, but it is possible. Yeah, it is possible. And if you want great in your life, it starts with hard. If you want amazing in your life, it starts with impossible. That's why you need something bigger than you and a place bigger than you in order to figure out that impossible so they can have the amazing journey uh, that we all desire to have. And these three steps uh, are extraordinary. You know, it comes to mind, Blaine, as well. Uh, All the successful people have their own practices. Mm-hmm. And there's certainly daily practices. And then there's these nuances uh, that we can make our own, adopt, adapt. Uh, and it, it's so interesting to me because I'm very structured in what I do with the you know meaning of the past, the five daily practices. And 
you know, not limiting my future, but I do my Zen daily, right? I believe two minutes a day is worth two hours a Saturday. And it doesn't mean it's right for everyone, but there's all these little nuances that we can incorporate into what's right for us as individuals and that feels right for us and allows us to be our best selves and learn the lessons faster. Uh, so what one real quick, Jeff, that I thought was interesting. I was with uh, Evan Carmichael, who's a, you know, well-known YouTube type of guy. He, he, I, I have a thing where I give a minimum of 10 minutes a day to touch base with old family and friends that I haven't talked to in a while. And so that's my version of it. And then he said, you, I have a list of a few hundred people and I give it to my assistant and I make sure that I reach out via text or Instagram to say, hey, what's up, buddy? Every 90 days, he has to get through all 300 or so people. And the list keeps growing. And so here we have the exact same frequency <laughs> of need, but we use our own personality where I like to use time and he he's known for listing, right? And I, I thought about it when, Jeff, I, I think that you and I especially share like the exact same philosophy. You like to pilot it all the last day of the month. I like the 10, the 10 minutes a day. Uh, I take vacation a minimum of 10 minutes a day every day, my Zen time, beyond meditation and gratitude, of course. So uh, I love the insight that you've given us. You're amazing. Please come back. we got other shows. Uh, the world needs more of you and what you know. He is a Zen practitioner, making it easy with a pragmatic approach to be Zen. So Jeff Eschlemon, thanks for joining us on Office Hours. Absolutely, David. Thank you so much. And thank you, Blaine. You Good bet, Jeff. Have. Thank you. Thank you. I love that. I, I love oh, when yeah. people are saying the same thing, but their way. Um, their way. It's got to yeah. be their way. If it's somebody else's way, it's not going to ever work. Exactly. All right. We got, you know, I'm always partial to the double M's since, you know, my M&M's uh, bring all the joy and love into my life. I got another M&M here. Mark Mears is here. Chief Growth Officer of Leaf Growth Ventures. And we're going to discuss his book, Blaine, uh, The Purposeful Growth Revolution. And uh, growth is obviously amongst us. I'm curious, how do you define, Mark, um, purposeful growth? Yeah, David, that's a great question. Great to be with you, Blaine. Um, you as well, Jim. You think about um, a, uh, a weed, you know, a weed can grow, Um but, uh, you know, you think about uh, the fig tree in my backyard that gave me this epiphany years ago only knows how to be a fig tree. And its purpose is to grow fig leaves that then help that tree grow, as we all know from science and probably high school. Um, they, all uh, growth happens through the leaf of a tree or a plant through the miracle of photosynthesis, right? And it also is tasked, its purpose, to grow fig fruit which not only creates um, sustenance for people and animals, it also has seeds inside that then can be scattered for future growth. So I look at purposeful growth as something that provides a, a North Star for, for all of us to shoot for. And I say purposeful on purpose, because if you're just saying purpose, there's this idea of purpose being a noun, and, and it's like, well, where's my purpose? I, I don't know where it is. Did I lose it somewhere? But if you're being purposeful, that's an action word that suggests that something you can do every single day to grow up into your God-given purpose. 
right? And so that to me is the difference between just mere growth for the sake of growth, but purposeful growth for the sake of working toward fulfillment, which is a deeper word than joy even, or happiness or fun, right? So that to me is um, purposeful growth. And I call it the purposeful growth revolution. And we'll get into the model uh, a bit because I think that's really, really important as to looking at nature and that leaf is not only a symbol of growth and rebirth, but it also is an acronym, which we can talk about. Yeah, and, and, and just speaking of your model, I would like to jump into that. Uh, if, if I've got it correct in my mind here, basically you're talking about a four-circled Venn diagram that represents a leaf, yeah, and uh, yeah. a clover of sorts here. Yeah. And each of these elements have their own domain associated with them, but the convergence Yes. Of these four is where the magic happens. Would that be a correct uh, kind of an assessment? And if it is, how do you describe it? Yeah, Blaine, you're a quick study. And that's exactly what I use throughout my book is this four circle Venn diagram as a model. And the reason I do is I think about the four seasons and there's overlap. I live here in Kansas City and I don't know where you guys are, but March 21st signifies the first day of spring, right? Well, I used to live in Los Angeles, and let me tell you, the weather's a little different uh, on March 21st than it is here, or maybe in the Northeast, right? So the seasons may have physical start and end dates, but there's overlap, and that creates this kind of harmony uh, wherever you live, right? So the acronym that came to me is an epiphany. I used to manage with this thing called the rule of threes. You do three things really, really well. You focus on only those three things. You're going to get all these things. And, and my three things were leadership, engagement, and accountability. And I managed that way and led that way. And I recognized and rewarded that way. And those are absolutely important. But after a major life event um, happened, uh, I realized what I was missing was a fourth element. And that's fulfillment. And so I got to thinking, not only is LEAF a symbol of growth and rebirth, it's an acronym, which stands for leadership, engagement, accountability, and fulfillment, which are four interwoven processes that I've found inspire individuals, teams, and organizations to find purpose in fulfilling their true growth potential. And why it's revolutionary is because like our seasons, spring comes around every year. And if you were to cut a tree open at the end of its life, you'd see the rings of the tree representing each year of its life. And there's different shapes and maybe colors, depending on what happened that particular year. But the goal is always to grow up into our purpose. And so working and living on purpose is a noble quest as I'm out to put the human back in human resources. And what are the four, the power four, as you have them in the acronym uh, that uh, creates LEAF, is interesting. I think it's obvious that engagement, accountability, and even fulfillment would be at a higher power. Um, but I'm interested in how you define leadership within the context uh, of your Venn diagram, because you know some people may have the hierarchical perception of being a leader since we're talking about higher power. Uh, but I think uh, from my understanding and research, that there's a more subtle nuance of leadership. So I was curious how you define it within the context of the higher power of fours. Yeah, and, and those four elements have to work in harmony. You know, it's like the four uh, wheels of your car. There's not one that's better than the other, but then they work in harmony that gets you going straight down the road to your destination. 
And so I don't see it as a hierarchy. I think you can start with leadership because I, I look at that as the seed and the root in this kind of plant metaphor. Just like any organization, you, you have to have uh, great leadership uh, that ultimately leads to alignment or you're going to wither and die. And I look at four C's of leadership as clarity, kind of understanding your purposeful vision, mission values, who you are, what you stand for, connecting it to your business priorities. Because if you don't, all you have is a series of empty platitudes that look up on a wall that you salute when you walk by, but you connect it to your business priorities, which I look at as four stakeholders. And that is your team members, your customers, your business partners, and your communities. And then you have to communicate in a way that inspires people up and down and sideways. I like to say from the boardroom to the break room to ensure everybody's on board that then leads to a commitment for the plan to bear fruit. And all of that leads to an end goal of alignment, just like a tree. You want it to grow tall and straight. And, and so having that as the seed and root like that fig tree in my backyard, whatever your firm stands for and does, that's what you want to do to the very best of your ability that leads to engagement as the trunk and branches and system of nourishment, which is called sabia, translates to lifeblood. What's the lifeblood of any organization? It's people. And the goal is to engage people on a deeper level with their heart, their head, their hands, and their habits in a way that leads to empowerment as the end goal, as alignment is for leadership. And so now you have a really strong uh, plant or tree, but what's its purpose? It's accountability. And accountability is the outcomes that matter most. It's, um, you know, what happens when, you know, your plans go awry, like we saw with COVID. Uh, so there are obstacles. And then what are uh, outliers or who are outliers maybe that you can learn from what you do currently better. And then about obsolescence, which you want to avoid through innovation. And that leads to achievement of your goals. And the leaf and the fruit would represent that in the plant. So finally, fulfillment represents the ecosystem, the sun, the soil, the rain that allows that photosynthesis to occur. And it creates a nurturing environment where that plant, that fig tree in my backyard, or that individual uh, can grow up into their full potential. And so that leads to an environment, right? And so all of that then says, those who bear the most fruit have the opportunity, and I'll say the responsibility, to scatter their seeds to help others along their growth journey. That's what a leader needs to be able to do. You know, you've, you've laid out a, a, a just actually what is one of the most comprehensive and I think one of the most elegant uh, blueprints I've seen for this, this question of what does a leader do? Yeah. Um, and in, in your book, The Purposeful Growth Revolution, I'm interested in where your, your schematic, if you will, actually comes into play with the notion of revolution. Yeah. How, does that, how does that actually, because I've got a hunch you didn't just you know, make that word, throw it, you know, threw it on there yeah. and say, oh, that looks like a good word. How does revolution fit into this for you, Mark? Well, that's a great question. And, and you're right. Uh, I, I believe words matter. Obviously, actions speak louder, but you have to have a, a really good understanding of words and their meaning. Because so oftentimes we throw things around as hyperbole. Like someone would say, oh, revolution, that's hyperbole. Or maybe uh, engagement. Oh, that's just a buzzword or, or culture. So 
I believe words matter. So if you go back and look at the definition of the word revolution, there are three major definitions that really jumped out at me that I think are relevant to this new world of work that we're living in today. The first definition is an uprising of the people. A lot of people would say, well, that's how, you know, you know, revolutions like the American Revolution, French Revolution, we kind of get that. Well, what does that mean today? Well, the Sloan School of Management at MIT did a research project and they interviewed 34 million people that left the workforce during COVID and asked them a simple question, why? And the answer was by tenfold greater than the second most given answer, toxic work environment. It's an uprising of the people. We heard the great resignation. We've heard a quiet quitting. All these things are suggesting that uh, people don't just want to, you know, get a paycheck and, and, and live for the weekend. They really want to intertwine a purpose at work. And there are several studies I can cite that we don't have time that would suggest the importance of purpose at work. Well, the second definition of revolution is a dramatic change in the status quo. Do you think we've had a dramatic change in our way we work since COVID, where people are working hybrid or remote or four days a week? You know, in the UK, they're testing a four-day work week, and the results came out maybe a couple months ago from the first leg of the test. Every company suggested that their productivity was higher, their profitability was higher, and all but two companies um, decided to keep going once the test was over, right? And then now we have AI or machine learning, uh, chat GPT, um, we've got a lot of innovation, a lot of discovery that's changing the world of work. And then the final definition is a circular orbit around an object, right? That's kind of this really on the nose definition of revolution. Well, who's at the epicenter of that? Well, it should be us. We're whole human beings and we need to feel comfortable bringing our whole self into a workplace and it's beginning to be more comfortable. Kind of in my day, it was, you know, don't bring that crap in here, leave it at home, you know, just keep your nose to the grindstone and, you know, do your job. Well, now there are people that are saying, I, I don't want to do that. It's like the old broadcast news line. I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm not going to do Right? So, so, so that word revolution. Talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, is, is so meaningful to this. And based on the natural theme of a revolution, you know, the earth revolving around the sun, we get the four seasons and we as humans grow each year. We give ourselves a birthday party. But I often, uh, at the end of each year, around the holidays, really get in perspective and say, what did I learn? How did I grow this year? You know, what am I most proud of or what would I wish I could have done different or better now as I'm planning for the new year? Mm -hmm. I kind of then shed that skin like a snake. And now I'm ready to um, live into the vision I have for who I want to be um, and what I, I want to accomplish in the new year. And not suggesting there are New Year's resolutions, but bigger goals that I want to set for myself to continue along my growth journey. There's no doubt this is a must read. The Purposeful Growth Revolution, understanding the four circle Venn diagram of the higher powers of four. The incredible Mark Mears. Thank you so much for joining us. Go to markmears.com. Go buy the book. I promise you it's more than just a metaphor. You will uh, excel, grow, and have exponential outcomes with the leadership, engagement, accountability, and fulfillment that he teaches in his number one bestseller. Thanks for joining us, Mark. Thanks, yeah, Mark. If I could just say thank you for having me on, but also when you go to my website, markamears.com, take the free purposeful growth self-assessment. 
And when you're done, it takes about five minutes, you can download your custom report with your scores. And that will give you a benchmark of kind of where you are in this whole idea of purposeful growth. And it follows the four kind of sections of the book. Again, four ways to grow from leader to legacy builder. And I think everybody wants to leave a legacy, but you don't have to wait till you're dead. You can do yeah. it today yeah. in every way with everyone you touch. And uh, it creates a ripple effect, which I call paying it backwards. So if you're intrigued, look me up uh, on LinkedIn. Let's stay connected. And uh, yeah, if you're so inclined to want to buy the book, I'd love to uh, share it with you. It's Mark uh, Amiers. Did I hear yeah. that right? Yeah, MarkAmiers.com. All right. Thank you Thank so you. much, Mark. I will be right on that assessment this weekend. It yeah. sounds like fun and something that would bring great value to me. Thanks again. Come back and join us. Check it out, markamears.com, and we will see you soon. Thanks for joining us on Office Hours. Thanks, David. Thanks, Blaine. You bet, Mark. Thank you. I feel like the Napoleon uh, Hill on steroids. I just have to tell you, with all the great people that are in my life, just and I get to ask whatever I want, and they're yep. so gracious about answering it, and you know, who needs to pay for school when I got office hours? Speaking of which, you can get office hours on Apple TV tomorrow, uh, season number four, with the bi biggest billionaires, millionaires, entrepreneurs, celebrities, athletes, entertainers in the world, all sharing their spirit of excellence, their desire of must be what they can be, giving and sharing how they've leveraged what made them successful in these amazing careers in entrepreneurship and business as well. It's a mindset. It's a heart set. It's a handset. And nobody's better than teaching that than my friend, Double B. We had Double M on. Now we got Double B. Blaine Bartlett. Go to BlaineBartlett.com. Tomorrow, season four office hours premieres, correct, on Apple TV. Just go check it out. I promise you'll love it. It's the best season yet. We're wow. in a purposeful revolution. I love it. I love it. Take away. Season five, we're going to start filming in the fall. So this is a yeah. big deal, folks. Yeah. This, in in Las Vegas, at the Wynn, we have the best yep. studio in the world for office hours. We'll be filming Two Minute Drill in July and August uh, in Orange County. A little different Apple TV show. Season five uh, is filming uh, right now. So anyway, Blaine, takeaway of the day. Takeaway of the day. I'm going to organize it around um, this idea of clarity. Um, you know, the clarity makes so many things possible. And what, here's what I mean by this. Uh, as we're looking at just what's going on around us in the world today, most people are far more clear about what they're going to lose when they move forward than the, what they're going to get when they move forward. They don't have the clarity. And by clarity, it's an experience. Clarity isn't just, you know, a refined picture. It has to do with stepping into the experience of what it is that I'm actually yeah, I'm wanting to manifest in my life. So that idea of a pursuit of a worthy ideal, that's, you know, when, when you're clear about what that is for you, it becomes far easier to leave behind that which is not going to serve me any longer. So I'll just kind of organize everything around that one word tonight, uh, tonight uh, clarity. <laughs> I like it. My, my takeaway is what to take away. And each of our guests, I had things that resonated with me in a different context and utilized in a different way, but there was light love and lessons in it that I can adapt to what I do. And so I think uh, my takeaway is what do you take away and what parts and pieces of what you take away do you use and still remain within the context of your own essence, your own being, you could still be yourself 
and take these suggestions and lessons, but make them your own. And that's what I do with Blaine Bartlett. He's always given me great advice and I've been able and capable of making it my own and consider him a great mentor and so should you. So reach out if you want the greatest mentor in our country, if not one of the greatest in the world, Blaine Bartlett, blainebartlett.com. Enjoy having him. Check him out on TV as well, Apple TV. Tomorrow premieres Office Hours. Uh, we are just uh, just getting started. Walking we are away. on a growth revolution. Let's just put it that way. A purposeful one. Blaine, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Welcome home, and we'll talk soon. Yeah, see you next week. Okay. All right. <laughs> awesome. I'll be in Italy, so I'll definitely see him next week. And uh, I just don't stop. There's no grass growing under my feet. Huh, Mikey? You like that? We're everywhere. Family, friends associates doing vip dinners we'll be doing three uh in uh orange county when i get back from italy and then we go to chicago again indy and st louis before the end of the month then back to orange county for three more to finish up the filming of two minute drill but most importantly everybody let's check out office hours on apple tv tomorrow you'll catch it at the airports and hotel rooms as well just check it out at your gate uh, I am so proud of the people who have joined me in this effort. My team and our guests host showcases, and most importantly, our charity, the unbelievable Unstoppable Foundation, the Unstoppable Award winner every single episode. And we're excited to make more donations to Unstoppable, and so should you. Remember, everyone, training tomorrow as well. Be more interested than interesting. Be kind to your future self and do good deeds. Have a wonderful night. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks.